This time, if you would, please grab a copy of God's Word and turn to Psalm 67. If you are using a pew Bible, it's on page 481. Psalm 67 um, has been called the missionary psalm. It was a favorite of many preachers. It was said to be a favorite psalm of John Stott. Um, it is the psalm that largely one of the most important books on missions that's been written in the last generation or so uh, was based on. John Piper's Let the Nations Be Glad draws its title. We have that book at our book table here. If you do not have it, I would recommend it to you. And the premise of that book from Psalm 67 is missions exist because worship doesn't. And I say that on the front end because I know if I didn't get it out at the beginning, some of you would start to twitch until I said that. It is a great summary statement of the purpose of missions, and it's right here from this psalm. And as we are uh, celebrating the not-so-soon-but-not-too-far-away departure of Confex to begin his work of champ, uh, church planning in Malawi, in the Malawi Reformation Network, um, I think it's an appropriate place for us to turn in God's Word this evening. Before we read God's Word, let us go to Him in prayer and ask for His help again. Our Heavenly Father, it is our desire that your saving power will be known among the nations. Quite often, we get consumed with the affairs of our own families, our own homes. We thank you for the gift of your word that points us beyond our trials that points us beyond our challenges to a great kingdom work that we get to play a part in by your foreordaining purposes, by your commissioning, that the advance of your kingdom through the gospel, saving sinners and starting churches is something we all get to be a part of, and it is such a great privilege. We pray that our time this evening in Psalm 67 would drive that truth deep into our hearts. So give us ears to hear and eyes to see, and refresh and renew in us as your people a vision for the salvation of the lost in this community, this nation across the globe. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Hear the word of God from Psalm 67. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a song, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Salah. That your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. 
Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Salah. Let the peoples praise you. O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. Amen. And that ends this reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May He write its eternal truth on all our hearts. In our day and time, there's a lot of things that we need to make sure we have the biblical theological answer for. We need to make sure that we have a theology of blessing. The Bible speaks about blessing a lot. But it's one of the things that is quickly confused and quite often misrepresented. God blesses His people. God blesses His people, to be clear, spiritually and materially, but for a purpose. And it's for His glory. It's clearly here in this psalm. And this psalm is one of the places in Scripture that God instructs us, what should we believe about His blessing towards His people and why He does it and to what end. In a day of as you heard prayer, uh, prayed earlier, the threat of the prosperity gospel across the church in this nation and as it's been exported to the world, in a day of most people, when they take a picture, they take a picture of themselves by turning their phone around. In the day of the prosperity gospel, in the day of selfies, we need a psalm that helps us understand the purpose of God's blessing His people. And why? So I wanted to see three things from this short psalm, these seven verses. These first two verses, I wanted to see God's kingdom of priests. The second thing I wanted to see, particularly in verse 4, but we could say in verses 3 and 5 tonight, God's kingdom come. And the third thing, in verses 6 and 7, God's kingdom and the everyday. God's kingdom and the everyday. The first two verses, God's kingdom of priests. Did that first verse sound familiar? It sounds, it should, if you've been around church for a while. It is drawing on the ironic benediction in Psalm 67, verse 1. Look again, may God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face to shine upon us. It's very similar to what Moses instructed on behalf of the Lord that Aaron, his brother, the priest, was to tell the people. He was to tell the people, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And we often close our worship service with that very benediction. But here, the psalmist has turned that benediction to a prayer. 
to a prayer for God's people by God's people. You notice how the nouns changed. In Aaron's benediction, it is the first person plural, the Lord bless you, or more proper, the Lord bless y'all. And here, as this benediction is now prayed on the lips of God's people, it is us. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Here, the people have joined in with the priestly benediction. Here, the people of God are standing in the role of God's priest, but for one another. As we were reminded this morning, and I promise you it was in my notes before I heard this morning's sermon, we are to be a kingdom of priests. Here the priest in the Old Testament represented the people to God, but at the benediction they represented God to the people. And here this priestly calling is taken up by the church to pray the blessing on one another. As we heard this morning, this shouldn't be news to us. Exodus 19, 5 and 6, there at Sinai, Moses told God's people, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And as the apostle Peter writes, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as Protestants, we get this. One of the recoveries of the Reformation was the priesthood of every believer. And this is one of the things we get the privilege of, play, praying the blessing of God for one another. The priesthood of every believer means that each of us has access to God and it's not mediated by human priests. It's not mediated by one of our peers. Our mediation is from the God-man, Jesus Christ, who became like us but is our Messiah, the Redeemer. And so our mediation, the one who comes between us as God, is not a fellow sinner, but the sinless Savior. And so the priesthood of the believer means that each of us has access to God, and then with that calling, each of us takes on the priestly work of intercessory prayer for one another, praying for the collective. Now what was the prayer taken from the blessing there? Well, some of it was rearranged. And you could almost say there was a gospel rearrangement to Aaron's benediction. In Numbers, it begins with bless us. Make your face to shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Here, the psalmist leads with grace. The psalmist leads with reminding us that the true blessing of God is being reconciled to Him. That 
Our theology of blessing begins with the blessing of grace. That we do have access to a holy and perfect God by His choosing, by His sending His Son, by His Son's willful sacrifice and substitution on the behalf of those who do not deserve it. It begins and leads with grace. And as one person commented on this passage, it begins with a prayer for mercy, a prayer for grace, because we will need it as long as we live until Christ returns. And it goes from gracious to bless us to make your face to shine upon us. To make your face shine upon us It reminds us of the access in which we were given by grace. That we could come before our Creator. We could come into His presence, be before His face. That His face could look on us. And because of the blood of His Son, would not have to turn away because of our sin. And that we might know communion and fellowship with Him. His gracious presence as we behold his face in the gospel. This is important. Our theology of blessing begins with saying that there's no greater blessing than to be reconciled to God. There's no greater blessing than God himself. Take food, clothes, shelter, and health. If I have God's grace and if his face is shining upon me, that is worth living for. The blessing begins with man's need for God himself. But then quickly it goes from the time of Moses back. The second verse points us back to Abraham and the purpose of being blessed with a relationship with God, then extends beyond the believing community. There in verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. The first singers of this psalm would have been reminded of Genesis 12, 1 through 3 where God told Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. The people of God are asking and praying for the blessing of God so that it may go beyond them. That it may go to the nations. That it may go to those who have not heard the gospel where darkness still reigns. It's a prayer to say, God, be gracious to your people for the purpose of the people who aren't here yet worshiping you. Be gracious to your people that those who are far from you may through your people come to have knowledge of you. We can't export what we first don't have ourselves, but once we have it, we must share it. 
And if we are to go, we must know the one we are going for. So it begins with the blessing of being reconciled to God. And from that, the overflowing joy of sharing the good news that sinners can know the Savior. As we go, there are many needs. As Confex will plant a church and seek to plant many churches, they'll be presented with many needs and many ways to be a blessing to those in need. But here the psalmist points us to the greatest need, that the nations would know God's ways, that they would know His saving power. So we're to be a kingdom of priests, those praying for one another that our light may shine beyond us. Then, secondly, we were to pray that God's kingdom comes. Verses 3 to 5, mainly verse 4. Verse 4, I believe, is the center of the psalm, that the psalm writer wants us to see the, the culmination of everything in the psalm coming to verse 4. The technical term is a chiasm. It's a chiastic structure. Or if you're like me, it's easier to understand. It's like a sandwich. The most important part most of the time is in the middle. And here you look at the psalm in verses 1, 2, 3. It's a two-line structure. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us and so forth and so on. But then you come to the center of the psalm and there's a three-line structure. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity, and you guide the nations upon the earth. Here is the culmination, that the blessing of God would come through His people, that they would share the gospel, that sinners would become worshipers, so that they would be filled with joy and singing under the righteous rule of God. Now, in Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul, he there speaks of the way in which God oversees all of the nations and all peoples and all their activities. There at Athens, the Apostle Paul preached, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by human hands as though he needed anything since himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps fuel their way towards Him and find Him, that He is actually not far from each of us. There, the Apostle Paul says that God has determined everything about history so that it would be in line with God's redeeming purposes down to the periods and boundaries of all peoples and all times. He's guiding every nation for his purpose. But what's happening here in verse 4 is a little different than that. This is more than God's providential rule over all nations at all times. Because here in verse 4, we see nations worshiping. Here in verse 4, we see people rejoicing that God is their judge. There's something of a willing, universal submission of all the peoples and all the nations in verse 4. The 
the Jewish rabbis in interpreting this text always took verse 4 to be something of the future, something to come, something that they were longing for in the Messiah's rule. It was something of the consummation, and it still speaks of the consummation because we know that the Messiah has come. We know that Jesus is the king in which is spoken of in verse 4, the one who would judge the peoples and guide the nations, the one who is the joy of all nations. But we know that his rule, there is an already in the not yet, that he has conquered sin, death, and the grave, but for the purpose of the repentance of the nations and the repentance of his elect, he we await the consummation that all that would come into the kingdom would come, and then his enemies would be vanquished. And verse 4 speaks of that day, that day. Think about it. God is their judge. That should be a terrifying thing to the nations, unless all the inhabitants of that nation have come to know the judge as Savior as well. And there, when he says he guides the nations upon the earth, it is the image of the shepherd king, guiding the peoples of all the affairs of all peoples at all times. The blessing of God to his people that they might be witnesses and lights. That the nations would sing his praises because this day is coming. The joyous day when all the enemies of God are removed and then all the earth brings praise to God. It is a kingdom come. But we are to be a people who pray, Lord, your kingdom come. What is our work? What is our role as we await the day of verse 4? Well, I think we've, we've seen that in the text. In verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth. Your saving power among all nations. We share the divine revelation of God's true and perfect law and his gospel. And that is our work because we believe the kingdom is coming. And then in verse 3, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Divine instructed worship as the gospel is preached, as sinners are converted and brought into the church. They lift up praises to God. And one day it will culminate in the full manifestation of divine government. What we see in verse 4. As people blessed by God, we are kingdom come people. We care about justice and equity. So it means we preach the gospel to sinners. So that they will become worshipers so that they might one day live under the full, manifest, righteous rule of the shepherd king. And this is our hope, that in the midst of the trials in this life, as we are the church that is in the midst of spiritual warfare, we know what is to come. And so we share the good news of Jesus and we celebrate 
when rebels become worshipers. And we long for the day when every knee will bow and the righteous shepherd king will guide all nations and every nation will be filled with joy and gladness. Then it goes from the grandest of themes to the everyday. In verses 6 and 7, God's kingdom in the everyday. The psalmist pulls back and goes from the future consummation, from knowing the grace of God to our day-to-day labors. Verse 6, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. This psalm is one of four psalms, Psalm 68 through going back to Psalm 65. Each of these psalms are, begin with that similar title that was before verse 1, a psalm, a song. Each of them speak of nations and harvest. And here in this song, it comes to harvest language. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. Here, we began with the spiritual blessings, but to be sure, the psalm includes temporal blessings, material blessings. And there's not a disconnect. It's not a matter of this is the really important things, and then God will also provide for your needs. I think the way six and seven are, are, are coupled together here to close, it speaks of God will bless us. He'll provide for us in the harvest. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. This isn't just a, oh, by the way, the psalmist and sense for us to see a, a connection that God will bless His people spiritually, that they may share the gospel and that He will provide for their needs and bless them so that they might be senders. Then they might be senders to the nations. It is appropriate for the people of God to ask for God's material blessings for the sake of His glory in the nations. The Bible is very instructive about our finances and money. In 1 Timothy 6.10, you know the verse, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. In Proverbs 30.8-9, the wisdom of the Proverbs, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I think Psalm 67 pushes us beyond that. It says, for my home, give me neither poverty nor riches, but bless me so that your name might be feared across the world. We are to be content with our earthly needs and temporal needs. This Psalm pushes us to say, God, would you bless us so that we could be a blessing to the nations? So the message of your grace might go to all corners of the earth. And we might be abundant in our sending 
We are to see connections between the blessings that descend on Christians and the salvation of others, says William Plummer. And the good news for those who are senders, it means that your job matters. Your job matters. It is a gift from your Heavenly Father to provide for your family and so that the nations would praise Him. You may not be excited about tomorrow morning and getting up, whatever your job may be. But if you would say, I'm going to work because there's a kingdom coming, and my Heavenly Father wants to fill that kingdom with sinners saved through His Son, and I get the great privilege of being a sender. So yes, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let the ends of the earth fear Him. How much is too much to ask for? Well, how many churches do we want to plant? How many Reformation networks do we want to start? How many sinners are there? Ask big, bold prayers because we know that God is doing great and mighty things by blessing His people. This is opposed to the prosperity gospel. It says we are not seeking our own advancement and comfort. We are seeking the glory of our great God and King. We desire to see the nations be glad in Him. Let us go to the Lord and ask for His blessing on the preaching of His Word. It is our desire, God, that the peoples will praise you. Because in the gospel of your Son, we have found our joy and our delight. And we desire to see it spread here in East Lansing and here in our nation to all nations. We long for the day which before the throne of God there would be representatives from every tribe, tongue, and nation singing your praises. So God, we ask that you would convict us of small visions of how we might be a blessing to our neighbors and to the lost. Increase our vision. May we see the fields white for harvest. May we ask for an abundance of your Spirit's power to be those who speak the gospel. May we be those who give generously to send faithful gospel ministers to every corner of the world. Lord, help us as we return to the routine and the mundane, 
to work for your glory. And seeing connection between what you've put before us tomorrow morning and the consummation of all things and the glory of our Savior. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.